So I'm going to introduce Simon to you. It's wonderful to have you here with us today. Um, Simon's from Holy Trinity Leicester Church. We have visited and done some things with in the past. Um, and he's going to be hosting our School of the Spirit here Friday, Saturday, and preaching again on Sunday next week. So I'm going to pray for Simon um, and hand over to him. And we're looking forward to hearing what um, you've got to bring for us. So, Lord, we just pray that you bless Simon now. We thank you for his gifts. We thank you for all that you are to him, and we look forward to hearing what you've put on his heart to share with us today. Amen. Well, good morning. How are you? Are you enjoying the fact that we're no longer in the midst of a rainstorm? Do you feel like the rain has not stopped? I mean, it, it, it does feel like it's been eternal. I think the church needs to stop praying for rain. We should probably pray for something else because at this rate we're going to need to use a boat to get to church. Um, as, as Jackie, it is Jackie, isn't it? Somebody else that I'm connected to is Jacqueline. I want to make sure I get it right. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm Simon, Simon Breaker. This is my daughter here, Ruth. And uh, I've got another daughter at home called Rebecca and twin boys called Daniel and Samuel that the Lord gave us to teach us all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And we're doing our best to try and grow in them, um, <laughs> as every parent does. And uh, I, my wife and I, Joanne, we led a church in Leicester for 17 years, actually, that was connected to a ministry called Kingdom Faith, which was led by Colin Urquhart, out of, um, out of, actually out of the Anglican church Colin came from, and we've been connected to them for, for a long time. And then about five years ago, the Lord spoke to us and said to us that that season was done and that he was going to bring us into something new. And I was very, and still am, very good friends with, uh, with John McGinley, who's the vicar of Holy Trinity Church. And I knew that he was wanting to develop the, the life of the Spirit and all of the things related to that in the church. And somebody had said to me, what God's going to do in the next season hasn't even entered your mind. And I don't know about you, but I have quite a lot of good ideas, you know. I probably have six ideas before I get out of bed in the morning. Um, and uh, I'm sitting there with John, and um, I said to him, so, John, how can I help you? Because training people in the gifts of the Spirit and that stuff is part of what I do. And he said, well, Simon, I'd have you on staff next week. So after I picked my jaw up off the floor, the, 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 we, we entered into the journey of my wife and I joining, the, joining Holy Trinity the, 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 well, the beauty of it is, is I actually got saved, became a Christian at Holy Trinity about 30 years ago. And the first time I stood at Holy Trinity to preach, I looked at the floor down here and thought, I gave my life to Jesus just there. And um, also, we went, my wife and I got married there. Obviously, it was a previous vicar, but we've now entered into this journey of, of, of working with the Anglican Church. And because, by God's grace... The Lord has allowed me to minister across church streams. I love the church. I just love the church. I love the fact that God is so creative that he's not created a clone. I love to walk into a church and feel what's unique about that particular congregation. I have the honour of being with Brazilian congregations and Sri Lankan congregations and Indian congregations and everything else in between and then travelling globally as well and seeing how God is, what God's doing in different parts of the world. And the thing that I'm inspired by is everybody's got it right. I'm blessed by it. And, the, and, and that God is just so wise that he knows exactly 
how to touch every person's life. And life would be a very boring world if there was only chocolate ice cream. Some would disagree with that, of course, but actually the Lord is much broader. So, so I love the way that he just connects with different people and different groups. Um, within what I do, I, I'm, I'm the director of legacy, co-director of Legacy Ministries International with my wife. We travel to, as I've already said, different parts of the world. I've got a doctorate in practical ministry, so I'm actually Dr. Simon, which is why I grew a beard, because I thought doctors have beards. So... Um, that was a joke. I hope, I hope you're not a serious congregation because I like to joke. So that, that's kind of me. And then I, I'm actually ordained with HIM Ministries, which is based in Pasadena. It's actually a global church network. It's actually a network of networks that, 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 that is pretty much in every nation of the planet. And uh, I'm just blessed to see what God's doing. So that's me. Hello. Um, and I'm praying that today that I might be able to give you just a little bit, my, my, my heart today is to give you a little bit of an introduction to what we're going to do on the, on the weekend and to give you a little bit of history. I started ministering in the Ukraine 20 years ago. I remember landing in the Ukraine and um, I, I just finished Bible school and when you finish Bible school you're going to bring revival to the world tomorrow. <laughs> That's the kind of mentality you come out with. And I remember I, I arrived in Ukraine and I'd, probably the longest sermon I'd preached was probably about 30 minutes and I was part of, actually asked to just go as part of a team with somebody else. And we arrived there and they said, oh, this, we want you both to minister and you can speak in this Bible school and he's going to speak in that Bible school. And I'm like, okay. And they said, we want you to speak on the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm like, okay. Five hours a day for five days. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm sitting there when they said that to me, thinking, I don't know as I have five minutes, let alone five days. And you know, the Lord likes to put you out of your depth. Have you noticed that? And actually, you don't learn to swim unless you do that. And, and, and what happened was, is the Lord took me on the journey. And you know, when you teach, sometimes you teach from where you are, and sometimes you teach into something. And thankfully, by his grace, the Lord has started me there and, and actually, you know, if you're given like 25 hours to teach, it makes you read your Bible. It really does. And it makes you go back to the scriptures and read the scriptures, which of course is the foundation of everything, isn't it? That whatever it is we're doing, it's got to be rooted in God's word. And so that just forced me to go deep and then... Um, the result of that was, as I found that more and more and more, more doors began to open. And, and what happened while I was leading our church, our church was very charismatic. And I was getting frustrated by the fact that I was just reteaching the same people all the time. And actually, even as I'd go and be invited to speak, I'd go to places that really were already on the journey, if you understand what I mean by that. If Jesus is a, is a 10 in the things of the Spirit, not that there's a scale, but if Jesus is a 10, many of these churches would be well over halfway. And what's happened since I've got involved with John is I've found I've been able to help churches who maybe are just, they're hungry, not closed, but just want to go deeper. And I feel that about you. I feel that in the room. And, I, and you know, I was saying to my daughter, I'm training my daughter so I can stay at home, retire, and she can do all the work. Um, I was saying to her, when you come into a church, one of the things that I'll do is I'll just reach out and say, what kind of church is this? 
What is it like? And, and there is such a beautiful, friendly, sweet spirit in the atmosphere of this church. And I commend you for the way that you've built that and the way that you host that and the welcoming heart that you have. And that is a grace of the Holy Spirit. Don't you know that? So that's a beautiful thing. So, what, do you know what is happening in the United Kingdom right now? In the church. It's so easy, because the church can tend to be parochial, we, we can sometimes be detached and not know what's happening. And there are more miracles, more signs and wonders, and more people getting saved right now than I can remember. One pastor in the north of England, the Lord told him recently, quite recently, um, I want you to step out of your church. He had a large church. He said, I want you to step out of your church and I want you to get a bus into town every day. I want you to witness to people on the bus and then I want you to go and sit in a coffee shop and I just want you to share Jesus with people in the coffee shop. About two years later, he had a congregation of 200 people, all 200 of them newly born again believers. That's good news, isn't it? Uh, a friend of mine was invited, this is in Leicester, was invited to a Hindu family. The, the father had got cancer in his jaw and had been told by the doctors that they were going to have to remove part of his jaw because of the cancer. And they'd prayed to all of their gods and none of it, and it hadn't worked. So they're now reaching out to Isaac, my friend, and they invited him over to the house. He'd been told to take family photographs because of the fact that they were going to have to remove part of the jaw and replace it with actually a rib bone is what they were going to do. So Isaac, as his name went, prayed for him. The man went into hospital the next day, was in hospital for five hours, and they discharged him. And this is what the doctors said. We can't explain it, but the cancer's gone and you have a new jaw. God is moving in an extraordinary way. A friend of mine preaches at the clock tower in Leicester. If you've ever been to Leicester, there's the clock tower there. Muslim man walked up to him at 12 o'clock, said to him, Syrian Muslim, said, last night I had a dream about a man dressed in white stood next to a cross and he said to me, if I come to this place today at 12 o'clock, the person stood here would tell me how to get rid of the depression that I'm struggling with. So my friend Isaac led this Syrian Muslim to Jesus and he got saved. He then went home and that evening his sister in Syria phoned him up and said, last night I had a dream and I saw a man dressed in white stood next to a cross and he told me, if I phone you at this time today, you will tell me how to get rid of my depression. And this newly born again Syrian led his sister in Syria to Christ over the telephone. That's happening in our country. Another Hindu lady walking down Belgrave Gate, really heavily depressed. She's walking along and she's greeted again by a man dressed in white. And the man dressed in white said to her, go back to house number three on your street and the person that lives there will tell you how to get delivered from your depression. So there must have been something about this guy because she just stopped and went back. 
And she went back to her street, knocked on house number three. The door is opened. The lady that lived there had been a Hindu three weeks earlier, but had just given her life to Jesus. This lady tells her the story. She leads this lady to Christ. And the transformation in this lady's life was so radical that when she went home to her family, her whole family... The whole Hindu family turned up in church the following day because they were so amazed how the depression had broke off of her life. God is moving. About two weeks ago, a man walked into our church coffee shop with a cataract in one eye and the vicar, John, walked up to him and said, how are you doing? And he says, well, I'm a bit scared because I've got to have an operation to have a cataract removed. And sat in the front foyer of the church, John put his hands on him and prayed for him, and the cataract disappeared out of his eye. He doesn't need to have surgery any longer. God is moving in a powerful way. And we don't want to miss it, do we? We don't. And so often what can happen is we can think, well, that's everybody else. It, it's not me. But actually, God wants to move through everybody in a unique way. Amen? Is that true? I take teams of, of young people from within the Anglican Church, about 14 um, to, to 15 young people out to the Ukraine every year, done it for the last three years, and have been so blessed. Most of these young people never seen a miracle in their life. And we come back. And they all come back. I love it. One of them came up to me and said, I prayed for this person and they got healed. <laughs> Just this look of shock on their face because God actually did it. Ruth came on one of the missions, didn't you, sweetheart? And, and we have just seen God heal. We saw one lady come into the back of the room and she had open ulcers from her ankles up to mid-thighs. They were bandaged up and in the worship, all of the open ulcers disappeared. We don't know, we don't know who prayed for her but they all vanished. We saw another guy who had been hit by a car and his ankle had been hit and his ankle bone had fused into his shin so he couldn't bend his ankle and we watched God reconstruct his ankle in front of us and this was not somebody who was just going to be polite and say, oh yes, it feels better than it was. This guy actually stands there, takes his sock off in front of all of us, and he's going, well, it feels a bit... And we actually initially couldn't bend it at all and we watched his ankle be restored. And these were for young people who'd never seen God do a thing. And one of them, I love it, you know, so there's probably, it's not obviously you, it's obviously somebody else, but there's probably some of you like a bit cynical. It's like, yeah, well, is that really real? The girl that prayed for that guy, when we were on our way out, She'd actually been given a book to read within the, um, the, new, the New Wine Discipleship Year called Living in the Supernatural. And she'd written in the corner of the book when she started reading it, I'm very cynical of this. And I asked her, so would you give me, I says, what's your testimony of the trip? And she says, well, I'll just show you the corner of my book. And she opened the book up and underneath it wrote, she'd written, Until Ukraine. You see, even the most severe cynic when you see somebody who can't move their foot, able to move their foot, it's a bit hard to be cynical after that. But unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that's not the real stuff. And we don't want to be performers. We don't want to be facade. We, don't, we want the real thing, don't we? Amen? We don't want to deceive people or trick people. We want the real thing. We want people to meet with Jesus Christ.
Amen? Are you all in agreement? Is that heresy or is that okay? <laughs> so I'd like you, if you would, just going to share with you briefly. What time do I finish? Is it quarter two? Yeah, okay. So if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, I just want to try and maybe just provoke you a little bit that maybe this stuff might be for you. One of my favourite stories from doing Schools of the Spirit happened in, in Kettering, in a church in Kettering. And, and what I teach within the School of the Spirit are really practical steps of how God will work through you. Because the reality of it is, God uses each one of us uniquely, doesn't he? He doesn't want clones. Does he? And so often what can happen is, is the church can, get fall, can fall into the trap that ministry... What happens on the platform here, that's what's meant to happen all the time. And we can get into a little bit of a, a celebrity mentality that it's all platform-based. You know, there was no platform in the New Testament church, was there? It was actually about the believers doing the ministry. And, and we, it's not that we don't need leaders and we don't need people that demonstrate the stuff, but the only reason why we need those people is so that we, in our personal lives can do it in our personal lives. Amen? And the truth of it is, it's not going to look the same in the school as it's going to look in church, is it? I got invited to, I was actually, you know they called Jeremiah the, the, um, the weeping prophet. In most contexts, I'm received in that grace and as, a, as, a, as a prophetic ministry. If Jeremiah was the weeping prophet, I'm the reluctant prophet because it's not my natural default to do this stuff. That's why I've got so much faith that you can do it. Because the first time I stood up to preach, I had to put both my hands in my pockets because I was shaking. And when I actually started pre- first started following the Lord, I was profoundly dyslexic and could barely read the Bible. And he said to me, I want you to go to the nations and preach for me. And I said, Lord, I can barely read. How can I, how can I preach? And he says, well, start by reading the smallest book in the Bible. And by the time you're finished, you will be healed. And I was. I literally could not really read, but I started with that book that people tend to read just before they go to sleep, you know, Philemon. (laughs) So I I started there, and God just gradually led me through to the point that now I teach in Bible schools and the Wagner Leadership University, and it's like, I look sometimes, because of the context I go to, they ask me to send a bio. And and, uh, I'm always tempted to send a bio that says, Simon Breaker is a butcher, dyslexic butcher from Leicester. Because there's just a bit of me that wants to kick against this kind of hypey kind of stuff. Although, obviously, you need to know who somebody is, don't you? If somebody comes to your house and they're going to repair your car, and they tell you that they're no good, you're not going to let them anywhere near your car, are you? That's the truth of it. So, in England, I suppose the United States swing to the other extreme, in England, it's like, don't say you're anything, otherwise we will cut your head off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no sense of celebration of gifting, so we don't want to fall in the box. But anyway, I, I, I went, got invited to this school by one of our children's leaders. He's, he told the, the, te- the headmistress of the school, um, we do prophetic appointments in our church. Would you like one? What's a prophetic appointment? It's basically, you just come and you sit with some people who have received some training in hearing God and they share with you some stuff that they feel God might be saying to you. That's effectively it. Um, and, and, he, and she said, well, 
this is a Church of England church, so I suppose we should know what God's saying. <laughs> I mean, she's not a Christian, but this is the way that she responds. So he then says, well, we've got somebody in our church that does it, so he volunteers me. I honestly had psychotic thoughts about him. I wanted to shoot him. Now, I know none of you ever feel like that, but that's how I felt at the time. So I'm thinking, Lord, you better give me something good for this lady because it's going to be a right flop if we turn up and it's just a disaster. So we turn up and as I'm praying, I see, I see visions. I'll break what this means down at the school a little bit, but I get pictures as the better, just for the sake of time. I got, I got a picture and in this picture I saw a white van pull up outside the school and I saw this teacher flung out the back of the van and the suitcases flung out the van and then the van just drove away and she was just left. And I, we sat in her office and I said, when I was praying for you, this is the image Jesus gave me. And she, and she goes, oh, oh. And she says, I can't cry, it's unprofessional. And she started crying. And she said, that is exactly the experience I had when I arrived at that, this school. I was just dropped here. I've had no support, no help. And then there was a series of other images that the Lord gave me. And we ended up with, do you know what ugly crying is? It's when they get snot as well. That's the good. That's when God's really touching somebody's life, and 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 she's like she's weeping, and and then the Lord says to me, um, "I want you to tell her that she can. Would she? I want you to ask her. Would she like to feel my presence before she becomes a Christian?" And when He says that to me internally, I'm thinking, "Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? I'm going to look like a right numpty, aren't I?" And, and, and it's like, I have to have these internal battles. I like to be honest. Is it alright? I like to tell you what's going on inside. I don't like the, and I moved in the spirit and God. That isn't what's going on. Sometimes there's wrestling and things going on inside. And what happens is, if that's not communicated, people who aren't there yet get an unrealistic picture of the journey. You're following me? Sometimes you lay your hands on the sick and they're not healed. And you have to learn to deal with that. Sometimes you give a prophetic word and it's not actually all entirely right. Because we're flawed vessels, aren't we? And we're learning. Um, sadly, if I was Jesus, let's be honest, you would be disappointed, wouldn't you? Just the reality of it. So anyway, we get to this and she says, yes, I would. I would like that. So I, I asked the Holy Spirit, how do you want to do this? And he said, I want you to just take a hand and ask me. So I took her hand in her in a office, I'm there with the children's leader, and I said, Jesus, would you please let this lady feel your presence right now? And it was like the whole room was filled with peace, is the best way I can explain it. And it was so intense that she's sitting there in the chair, and she's going, oh, oh, what's that, what's that? I says, it's not what's that, it's who's that. And she gave her life to Jesus. So I believe this stuff is real. I believe that it's not just contained to Sunday. I believe it can happen anywhere. And I believe it needs, Jesus wants it to happen where you are. I mean, wouldn't you like some stories like that? No. Who said no? Nobody said no. So look at this. What is the, what is the mission of the church? What is it? You might say, well, that's obvious. It's, it's to make disciples. Well, they obviously were meant to make disciples, but what is the church meant to look like? So Ephesians 3.10 says this. He 
He did this so that now, when is now? It's not a trick question. When is now? The Greek word there for now means now. Just so you know. So his intent was that now. So now. Is that okay? Not complicated? Now. His intent was that now, through the church, okay, through the church, what's the church? Put, is the church something you go to, or is the church something that we are? It's something that we are. So his intent was through the church, so you could say this, his intent was that through me and through us. Yeah? Do you agree with that? His intent was that now, so that means now, through me, through the church. So his intent was through the church, the wisdom of God in all its variety might be made known. We won't deal with rulers and principalities, we'll just deal with that first bit. The wisdom of God might be made known. Now if you go into 1 Corinthians and verse 24... But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, the Messiah is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when it says his intent was that through the church, the multifaceted one translation says, or the multi-sided or multi-coloured wisdom of God might be made known, you could say his intent was that through the church, all of the different facets of Jesus, the wisdom of God, should be revealed. Do you agree with that? So, what are you meant to look like? It's not a trick question. What are you meant to look like? You're meant to look like Jesus. Do you agree with that? You are meant to look like Jesus. So, we can actually... Just Let me just ask the question. How much of Jesus do you think you should look like? All of him. Okay. So it's not like, well, you're not, just not going to get any peace. This is going to be a miserable person. <laughs> That's not the way. Not God's intention, is it? God's intention. Do you remember what John said? In this world, we are as he is. Are you following me? The reason why I'm, I'm going this route is because, you see, it's no good just coming and saying, we're going to teach about the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Why do you want to do that? Why would you teach about the gifts of the Spirit? What's the, what's the reason? So let me ask you, how many of you believe, work with me, is that alright? Okay, how many of you believe you should look like Jesus? I'm glad everybody's got their hand up. Okay, so how many of you believe that you should do what Jesus does? How much of what Jesus does? All of it, or just bits of it? Is it like the divine, when I worked in the co-op, we used to do stock checks on a, uh, on a Saturday night once a month. I remember going back to the... Um, we're, I was only a young lad, so we're taking the, um, the stuff to, to get it weighed and we're taking the chocolate buttons to get them weighed, the big bulk packs. You don't really have those now, do we? But we're, we're taking them along and me and my mate were eating these chocolates on the way down. And I looked and said, these chocolates taste a bit weird, don't they? He goes, yes, they're like powdery. Because, yeah, it's really strange. So anyway, we had about 20 of them. And, uh, and we take them, get it weighed, and then when we get back to the counter to put it back, we see dog treats <laughs> for treating worms and a shiny coat. All my hair fell out once I ate. 
the dog treat. That has no relevance to what I'm talking about right now, but for some reason I was reminded of it. You see, we, we, we're not in the place that we are meant to go a pick and mix with the character and the ministry of Jesus. And why on earth is it that for some peculiar reason, in some context, the church has said, okay, we're going to take out all the best bits and we're just going to keep that bit. You hear some people say, character is the most important thing. How many of you agree? Of course it is. How many of you think disobedience is a bad character flaw? Did Jesus say, lay your hands on the sick? If you don't do it, what's it called? I think we're meant to look like Jesus. I think you're meant to look like Jesus. I think I'm meant to look like Jesus. I think that you, in your workplace, are meant to demonstrate the character and the works of Jesus. And I don't only believe that you're meant to do it, I believe you can. It might not look the same as it does in church. It's unlikely, I'll joke with our guys, that we'll, um, we'll go into a... Into a, <laughs> into a ministry time and, and, and people come forward and, and when you're praying, you close your eyes. That's a really bad idea on the street because they might run off. <laughs> and the other thing as well is, is, is that if you close your eyes, it's hard to see what's happening. On one occasion, I did close my eyes and got head-butted <laughs> because a person fell forwards and I didn't see them coming and I ended up with a sore nose. So, you know, sometimes I, we need to pay attention to what God's doing. And probably when you're actually giving somebody in the... It won't feed back if I come down here, will it? If, I, if, if you go up to somebody and, you, and you're going to... Um, is it okay for me to play with you? If you go up to somebody like this and you kind of go, Oh, the Lord would say. Do you know you don't need to speak in King James to say what God's... <laughs> I joke with people, say, look, I'm called a prophet, but that doesn't mean I need to have a Terminator walk. And weird eyes. And you see, some people say, I'm an intercessor. And they're the most miserable people in the church. And I look at them and say, if you're an intercessor, that means you're spending hours with Jesus. And it says about Jesus that it was his joy that exalted him above his companions. So if you're spending that much time with Jesus, why are you so miserable? And you've not met anybody like that, but it's almost like if you get the more spiritual you get, the more miserable you need to be. It's not true. It is not true. Jesus was and is so friendly, so gracious, so kind that prostitutes and tax collectors were following him around. There wasn't the slightest element of condemnation coming from him except towards the religious. They're the only people he rebuked, really. Don't you think we need to be like that? How much of Jesus are you meant to reveal? Are we meant to reveal all of him? How many of you believe Jesus lied? I'm glad nobody um, put their hand up right now. I don't know what I would have done if you had. But, But you know when Jesus said, you shall do the same things, do you think he lied? Or do you think he actually meant what you said? So that means we can. We can. But the thing of it is, is sometimes what can happen is our lack of experience can become our expectation. 
Are you following me? And God doesn't want that, allow that to happen. God wants us to get to the place that actually we begin to say, I actually choose to believe what Jesus said. And because I believe what Jesus said, I'm going to begin to allow it to affect how I behave. Is that alright? It's going to affect my expectations. A, a dear lady um, walked up, I don't think I actually finished this story, she walked up to me in, the, um, in Kettering and she's crying. She's about 89 years old and, and she's crying. I said, sweetheart, what's the matter? And she says, I have been hearing God all of my life. I just didn't recognise it was him. Because I got a picture in my mind that it needed to look a certain way. And he's been leading me and he's been loving me and I just didn't recognise it. Do you know that's possible? I had another lady, she, we're on our way out the door of Holy Trinity and she, she stopped me and she says, you, you know, prophets, all, all the different ministries, prophets, apostles, all of the fivefold ministry, they live in a concentrated version of the gift so that they can help you step into the expression of it in your life. And she stops me as I'm walking out and she goes, I, I wish that I could hear God like you do. And I, and, and I saw the, the sincerity and also the pain in her face. And I looked at her and the Lord said to me, she hears me all the time. That's why she makes, does so many acts of kindness. That's the way I speak for her. She just feels driven to give people gifts. And she does it all the time. And she thinks it's her, but it's actually me directing her. And I looked at her and I said to her, I said, sweetheart, you, you, there's times, isn't there, that you just wake up and you just think, I need to send this person a text. Or you've turned up in church, and I saw her with a cake. I says, you've turned up in church with a cake, and you've just walked up to somebody and given them a cake. And they've kind of gone, I so needed that in that moment. And she goes, yeah, I do that all the time. I phone people and they go, oh, I so needed to hear you right now. I says, yeah, well, that's how God speaks to you, through acts of kindness. And bless her heart, she started sobbing. And she says, I thought that was too obvious. Do you know God is speaking through you all the time? Do you know he's flowing through you all the time? He's leading you all the time. And as we become sensitive to him, and as we become aware of the ways that he leads us, you'll begin to recognise, oh, that's the way God speaks through me. And it's like the, the, the old, old TVs that you used to tune in. We've all got our own channel We've all got our own particular way. And you're going to find that, that God will begin to, begin to just help you understand what your channel is. For Ruth, she, she paints, don't you? And she, she does paintings and pictures. And she, she uses her creativity, her art. Have you ever considered that that's a way that God can speak for you? It is. It is. So, character stuff. One, um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. We're nearly, we're nearly landing. 12:31. Keep on desiring to be spiritual, but I will show you the most excellent way. So he, he gives this statement. If, you, if you've got a King James, I doubt most of you probably use King James, but if you read the, read the Bible with King James, there are times that words are in italics. And the reason why is because that particular word that's been added actually isn't there. 
So in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, many times where gift is added, gift is not actually in the text. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is not just about the gifts of the Spirit, it's about the life of the Spirit. So Paul says, now, eagerly desire to be spiritual. And then he goes into this beautiful outbreak of it. It, it, You might be able to prophesy and you might be able to do this, you might be able to do that, but if you don't have love, it's not worth much. And then we go into 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1, and he says, So then, follow the way of love and, say and, desire to be spiritual or eagerly desire to be spiritual. The Greek word there, if you look at it, actually, one of the meanings of the word is lust. That's a strong statement. To really pursue. So, follow, pursue the way of love, eagerly desire to be spiritual, especially, so that puts an emphasis, especially to be prophetic. Why would, why would Paul say that? Why would Paul say to the believers in Corinth, I want you to pursue love. We know that. We're, I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? We need to love everybody, don't we? That's obvious. But then he says, be spiritual. We know that we're meant to be spiritual people. Would you agree with that? Why would he say, especially prophecy? Why would he say that? So, I was ministering in a, in a church in Leicester. I joke with my redeemed church friends, that I'm going to open the cupboard under my sink one day and find a redeemed church planted there. Because they just plant everywhere. They plant churches everywhere. And in Leicester, there's a little corridor, and you go in there, and there's a massive church that meets down this corridor. You'd never know it's there. And they meet there, and we just finished the meeting. It was a Saturday night. We're walking out the door. It's 11 o'clock at night. We're walking out the door. As we're walking out the door, two young ladies are walking past, so it's, it's club night. So they're walking past, and they'd forgotten to get dressed that night. <laughs> you know what I mean by that. So, so they're, they're walking past, and they just stop, and they stand and go, Oh, is this a pub? I says, No. Is it a club? No, it's a church. It's a church? And this one girl, she goes, My grandma died. And, and her face drops. And she starts telling us how upset she is that her grandma's died. And I look at her and I say to her, would you like to come in and we'll pray for you? And she said, I would. I would like you to do that. So we start walking down the corridor into the church. And as we get towards the sanctuary of the church, she covers herself up. And she said, I can't go in church dressed like this. Nobody said a word to her. The presence of God. And I gave her my jacket and said, will that be okay? And she says, yes. Yeah. So we get in, we get to the pulpit, the front of the church, and we start to pray for her. And the Lord says to me, I want you to ask her if she knows why she dresses the way she does. And when the Lord says that to me, I'm thinking, well, I don't know why she dresses the way she does. So I'm going to ask her a question I don't have the answer to. <laughs> so I rattled a little bit inside, but I looked and I said, okay, I said, do you know why you dress the way you do? And her eyes drop and she says, not really. And the Lord speaks to me and he says, the reason why is because she doesn't think she's worth anything. And she dresses that way because she's trying to prove herself, she's trying to sell herself because she has no self-worth. 
And I share this with her. And this dear young girl starts sobbing. And we ministered the peace of God to her. And we saw God touch her life. What happened in that moment? Why does God want us to see it, want us to be prophetic? Because you see, you cannot love a person the way God loves a person if you don't see that person the way God sees them. And a religious spirit could have very easily stood on the steps of that church and pointed at those girls and said, You harlots! You lustful women, you this, you that, you the other. But what did Jesus do? Even with the woman caught in adultery, he looked past all of that stuff and saw their heart. See, if you are not able to understand how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and how to see people through God's eyes, you cannot love people the way that God loves them. When you're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit, what ends up happening is we rely on law. And the church becomes judgmental. And a place that should be welcoming becomes condemning. But my Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And we need to love people into the kingdom with the love of Jesus. That's why we need to be able to touch a person in the midst of their sickness, touch a person in the midst of their pain, touch a person in the midst of their hurt, their rejection. That's why we need to be able to do those things because that's the way Jesus brought people into the kingdom. He loved them into the kingdom by meeting them at their point of need. Sometimes it was the leper and his point of need was that he'd not been touched for decades. And Jesus did more than heal his leprosy. He set him free from his rejection and put his hand upon him and said, be made whole. There was more that happened in that moment than his physical body healed. His soul was healed. And you and I can do it. We can. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And just like we can ride a bike but you're probably going to end up in a bush a couple of times when you first start. We can do it. And I want to say to you that all of our events and our conferences are not going to do it. What's going to touch this world is a body of people who know how to see people the way Jesus sees them and love people the way Jesus loves them. Amen? Why don't you stand up if you would for a minute? What I love about Jesus is that when he confronts us about stuff, he doesn't do it with a stick. We were praying, we pray as city leaders in Leicester um, every Friday and we came together and we were praying this Friday about the coronavirus, that people in the Midlands would not get sick with it. And we were praying, and we were passionately praying about it. And as we were praying, the Lord just said to me, why are you so proactive about this disease, but so tolerant of others? 
and it hit me. And it wasn't a rebuke. It was a, if you believe I can deal with the coronavirus and you're passionately standing against it, why would you not be passionately praying against all the other stuff as well and praying for that to be dealt with? And so often we can become tolerant of stuff, can't we? I wonder if I said to you, how many of you have seen a miracle work through your life? I won't ask you to lift your hand, but... Yeah, that's good. But don't you think that we should be in the place in the church that when that question's answered, because we're all seeking to live like Jesus, that when we say, how many of you have seen God's compassion flow through you and transform somebody's life, that every single one of us should be able to live that? Well, I'm an introvert. Join the club. I am as well. You might not think I am, but I am. When I get up here, I'm all... I'm down there, I don't want to talk to anybody because I'm actually quite shy. But God uses you in your infirmities. He uses you in your brokenness. So just, if you're comfortable, just hold your hands out. And let's just pray this. Jesus, you said that I should be like you. That I'm made in your image. And there's probably parts of my life that I've not really pursued that. I've allowed fear and past disappointment and the fear of rejection to cause me to step back. I'm sorry. I thank you that you love me and you want to love others through me. So help me do that, Jesus. I position my heart today. I say, teach me to be like you and to do what you do. Cause me to see what you see and to love how you love. I ask you to give me boldness and courage in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen.